1: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC.
2: You're listening to the new Mutual Audio Network. Welcome home.
3: The following audio drama is rated PG-13, suggesting that all children under the age of 13 should listen accompanied with an adult.
4: Morning, everyone, and welcome to the Sonic Society, the world's largest and longest running showcase of modern audio drama. I'm Jack Ward with my co-host David Alt, hoping that we'll actually get June showers instead of the ones we missed in May.
5: Absolutely, yes. Good morning, Jack and everyone. We have a short time frame, so I'll keep this brief. This week we have another lovely double feature beginning with the second episode of Cry Havoc. See you last week for the first. And we revisit a mutual horror favourite with Courtney Holloway's amazing Agonal Dreams. And this time it's Chapter 11, Finding Ishk*, And both
6: begin right here
4: on the Sonic Society.
5: ACAS powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend.
7: Love it or hate it, hockey is inescapable in Canada. But the sport has a dark side. There's violence and racism on the ice, and corruption, cover-ups, and abuse off of it. I'm Arshi Mann the host of Commons. And in this season, we'll be bringing you stories from inside the cult of hockey. Follow Commons
6: wherever you get your podcast.
4: A recommends. Friends, Romans, podcast listeners, lend me your ears for just a very, very quick moment, I promise. Uh, Hello, I'm David, creator of Cry Havoc, Ask Questions Later. And we all of us here at Rusty Quill wanted to thank you for listening to our Roman epic of comedy and intrigue. This project has been many years in the making, and it's thanks to listeners like yourself that we have been able to bring it to life. We want to keep bringing you the stories that you love, so make sure to spread the word. Share, rate, review, tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell everyone waiting at the bus stop to listen to Cry Havoc, ask questions later. Oh, and follow Rusty Quill's socials for updates using hashtag Cry Havoc. But what if you want more? Well, we have got you covered over at the Rusty Quill Patreon, where every Friday you can get exclusive first access to our behind the scenes making of series, with interviews and commentary from the actors, the Writers, the production team, and history experts. Whether you're curious about the ancient world or how he made the series, or you want to get away with murder and direct a Roman orgy of your very own, well, we've got all this and more in our backstage series over on Patreon. Rusty Quill is an independent company, and your support goes a long way. Thank you for listening, enjoy the episode, and prepare to cry havoc.
7: Fellow men of the Senate... Rome is strong. Our wars are over. At last we stand united. Though there is hardship on the way ahead, shall we not reap the benefit of our allies? I propose a summit with Cleopatra of Egypt, not to seek aid, but to demand what is owed to us by right. Friends, Romans... Oh, uh, come in.
8: Hello, hello. Morning, Gaius. Thought I'd pop round to see if you wanted to walk to the Senate together.
7: Uh, Yes, all right. Uh, Lepidus, help me out. What comes after this? Friends, Romans... Countrymen. Countrymen. Yes, thank you. Good phrase. Where's it from again? Mark said it. Mark? Yes, in a speech.
8: Right. (sighs) Always a winner, that one. I'm sure he won't mind
7: if you borrow it. No, you ruined it. Let's go.
1: Rusty Quill Presents Cry Havoc Ask Questions Later Episode 2 Special Relationship
8: Seems a pity to be at work. Who called this silly meeting anyway? We did. Oh. Where did I put
7: the charts?
8: Other satchel.
7: Ah. If we're going to make overtures to a foreign power, we'll need the backing of the Senate. But we're in command, aren't we? This is still a republic. And we'll get much further if we show respect and do things by the book.
8: Ah, if we play fair with them, they'll play fair with us, sort of thing? Exactly. Gosh, you're good at this.
9: Tim, don't make me laugh. Octavia, what are you doing here?
8: I'm afraid they don't let the fair sex into this eh? Do you know.
9: I did know, thank you. I'm picking up what I can before they go in. Picking up
7: what? What's that you're writing there?
9: Well, the odd word, the occasional phrase. Nothing incriminating. He's dropping on their
7: conversations, aren't you?
9: Of course I am. It's useful.
7: It's outrageous.
9: Old men like to gossip, Gaius. You'd be surprised what you can learn if you keep your ears open.
8: I (laughs) say, like what?
9: Well, that man over there has caught a rash in a very unfortunate place.
7: You mean in the bath? No, I meant on his... Stop! If that's the level you're playing at, we don't want to know. Yes, we do.
9: Oh, fair enough, brother mine. And there was I about to reveal what they're all saying about you.
7: Um.
9: <clears throat> about me? Hmm, but seeing as you disapprove. Okay, I
7: don't disapprove. Keep it
9: up. Oh, you want to know? Yes, yes, okay. Come on. What are they saying about me? Nothing. Nothing? Nothing. At all. Oh. <laughs> Oh. Well, on the bright side, they're not going to kill you. Not yet, anyway.
8: Cheer up, guys. There's nothing wrong with not being talked about.
9: There is if you're a politician.
8: Yes, thank you.
9: So what does it mean? They think he's a pushover? Said so yes, thank you. What
7: makes you so interested in politics all of a sudden, anyway?
9: That's my business.
7: Ooh, looks like
8: they're going in, old chap. Time to shake a leg. But, but
7: where's Mark? You he said he'd be here.
9: Oh, he is here. He's inside.
7: Really? He got here before us.
9: Well, long before you, at about three o'clock in the morning, they think. It's three in
7: the morning?
9: That's when he broke in with some friends and passed out drunk. Oh, uh, the Senate may need a new carpet.
8: Uh,
9: Enjoy your meeting?
8: This is all we need. No, very tricky, yes. Hard to find a good carpet these days. Well,
7: no, I didn't mean... <sighs> Let's get this over
8: with. Fuck up, friend. You'll have the Senate eating out of your hands. Oh, you think so? Absolutely, old boy. Absolutely.
6: What are we doing again?
9: Uh. Quintus! Hope I haven't kept you waiting long.
5: Well, I'd say less than half an hour... A new personal best. (mwah) I took the liberty of ordering for us, by the way. You're paying. Wine?
9: bit early in the morning for me. Just the one cup.
5: Of course, dear. So, what manner of bewitching angel kept you occupied this morning? Hired a new girl, have you?
9: Yes, but she's an early riser. Mm. As it happens, I just came from the Senate House.
5: Giving your brother some moral support... That's unusual.
9: Hey, I love Gaius. I just don't like him very much.
5: I was chatting with a pretty young thing in the pub. He told me the soldiers are protesting outside the Senate House this afternoon. Something about not being paid.
9: Oh, a protest? That's fun. I'll go back and check it out. I only went there to see what the gossip was.
5: I could have given you that. The one with the asses. It's the biggest hit we've ever had. Everyone in Rome loves us.
9: They love you, Quintus Metellus, the thinking man's crumpet.
5: Well, I suppose it was one of my best performances. By turns touching, ennobling and droll.
9: And what about the bit where your bum gets set on fire?
5: i got the biggest laugh in the show. I've got the magic touch, darling.
9: So, what do you suggest we do next?
5: Hmm. I say we shake things up a bit.
9: Yes! Finally! How?
5: Something by Terence, I think. Uh, y- like Formio. That's popular. Got a great part for me in it.
9: Couldn't we do something different?
5: You mean the mother-in-law? Yes, if you want to play nobody likes.
9: No, not another Terence. Or a Plautus, Or any of the same old thing from the same old men. I'm bored, Quintus. Bored? Excessively... Painfully bored.
5: How can you be bored? Have you seen the ticket sales? Honestly, I have no idea why I bother.
9: <laughs> You're doing a wonderful job. I couldn't ask for a better actor, director, accountant. Dog's body. But now that we've got that audience, isn't it time we chanced around at something... fresh?
5: Fresh? What do you mean, fresh? <gasps> oh, no. What? Not new writing. Please, anything but that.
9: Why not, for Sulla's sake?
5: Nobody wants new writing. They want to know what's going to happen. That's what theatre is. Quintus. Octavia, listen. Even if we knew an entirely unknown playwright who magically happened to be a new Menander in the making, we'd have to commission him and get him to draft it and write it and do it again. And you know what writers are like taking forever. And they're always complaining.
9: I already have the play.
5: You have the play? Yes. The new play from the new playwright? Yes. And is it so transcendentally good that it's worth risking everything we've ever made just to put it on? Yes. Well, who wrote it?
9: Me.
7: And, uh... And so, fellow Senate men... uh, Men of the Senate, sorry. uh, Rome is... Um... Strong! As always... (laughs) Our wars are over. And, uh, at last we all stand, you know, united. Wish
10: I hadn't bothered waking up. You spoke, Mark? No, no. You just, uh, carry on.
6: Doesn't he have to?
7: (laughs) (laughs) Habitus, why can't I do this? What's wrong with me?
8: Perhaps it would help if you imagined them all naked. I don't want to imagine that. It's what I do. Passes the time.
7: Can't we all get on with it? We all have places we'd rather be.
8: Now, come on, everybody. None of us wants to be here, but my colleague knows what he's saying.
0: He hasn't said anything.
8: We'll give him a chance, can't you?
10: Look, the sooner we let him finish, the sooner we can all get home to our beds. All
6: right? It's midday.
10: Piss off. Gaius, all yours. Um,
7: However, while Rome is mighty, it does, on occasion, face certain problems. Concerns of manpower, of economic freedom. These are not insurmountable, but... um...
6: Can someone translate this?
7: We're broke. What?! No, no, please, let let us not panic.
10: According to Gaius, we need cash and we need it quick. That's the problem in a nutshell.
7: Then solve it. Yes, you wanted to be in charge. No, 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 senators, please, senators. Oi! Thank you, Gaius. I do have a plan. Though there may be hardship on the way ahead, shall we not reap the benefit of... our allies?
6: Which ones?
7: Uh, well, I propose a summit, you see, with Queen Cleopatra and,
6: uh... You want to go
7: begging to her? No, not begging, to, to, to... to, De- de- demand uh, that which we are. You couldn't demand sweets from a baby.
8: Yeah, <laughs> well, I'm sure
7: I could, but the point to bear in mind.
8: To think that Rome could go groveling to Egypt? To a woman? Mark, Anthony.
10: Surely you cannot agree with this plan? No. I'm with you lot. Mark? They're right, Gaius. Why beg from Egypt when we can. Conquer it instead! Yeah. <laughs> See? They like my idea.
7: A word please, Mark. In private. Lepidus hold the fort.
8: Oh, uh, uh, right, yes. Um huh? <clears throat> uh, great work this morning, everyone. Um tell you what, let's break for lunch. And sort this out in an hour or so, eh? <laughs> what do you say? <laughs>
6: yes.
8: Yes,
2: that's
7: it. The... Oi, stop pushing, you bone you. Right. You listen to me, Mark. We are not invading Egypt.
10: I want to! No! Look, we need food and gold, and we need them from Egypt. I accept it. You convinced me. You're quite clever when you try. Thank you. So why bother with the chit-chat when we could head to Egypt and get it sorted the old-fashioned way? You mean blood and violence? It's a classic, but it works. Okay, there are two reasons
7: why we shouldn't do that. One, and I have said this before, we haven't paid the armies for the
10: last war. Oh, come on, we'll win them round. Will we, though? We pay them in advance. Something small to tide them over. You, me, Lepidus? We're hardly short for denarius or two, are we? We're rich men, Mark, but we're not that rich. We'd be bankrupt before we even left the port. And we'd make back 50 times the investment from plundering Egypt. So would the army. Bing, bang, bosh. Everyone's a winner. Except Egypt. Oh, very simple, yes. I can't think why Rome's never got round to it before.
7: Because it's a terrible idea. Which brings me to my second point. Do you know exactly how much grain we already buy from Egypt? Let alone spices and incense and
10: every other luxury under the sun. I don't do numbers. Why not? There's millions of them. Numbers. Yeah. That's my head in.
7: Okay, in that case, the number is lots. Lots of grain. Enough that any disruption would lead to mass starvation and riots in Rome within a couple of
10: months. But we're already facing that now.
7: So we don't need to make it worse. But the Senate were well up for a scrap in there. You heard them. Of course they are. They love beating up foreigners. Up until they can't afford to feed the people and get strung up from the nearest flagpole. Because during a war you probably destroy half the stuff you went in there for in the first place. There's thousands of deaths on both sides and... Even... If you do win, have you thought about the bureaucracy that's involved? No. Oh, it's a nightmare. If you think my accounting's a headache, just see how the Egyptians do it. It'd take you months to work it out.
10: Years. So you're telling me that we've never tried to conquer Egypt because the maths is hard?
7: Of course, wasn't it obvious? Mark, everything comes down to maths. It always has. Do you really want to deal with more maths? No. Well then.
10: No invading Egypt?
7: No invading Egypt.
10: Right. So, what do we do instead?
7: We talk. But that's boring! Yes, it is, Mark. Yes, it is.
5: Have you finished it? Oh, Oh, very good. Very good. Well, it's a masterpiece. Really? No, but it is funny. I'm impressed. How long have you been writing it?
9: Six months here and there. You're the first to see it. Tell me the truth. I'm open to any feedback.
5: The plot needs work.
9: No, it doesn't.
5: Look, I love a Roman farce as much as the next director, but this...
9: Is entirely rooted in reality.
5: It's ridiculous.
9: Reality is ridiculous. Just look at the Senate. Look at my brother... The more important they think they are, the more insipid they become. Inventing drama out of nothing.
5: A civil war, dear.
9: A general kills another general, so what? Rome's still here. The citizens keep working, the slaves keep on... slaving. It's a joke.
5: Oh, not to the slaves, I'm sure.
9: They understand it most of all.
5: Oh, really? I bet some of your best friends are slaves.
9: Well, there's you.
5: Excuse me, dear. I earned my freedom. Services to theatre.
9: But you think the play's good?
5: Yes, Octavia, the play is good. Frankly, I'd love to perform it. Such a pity that we can't.
9: What? Why not?
5: Why not? You've written a comedy about the death of Julius Caesar. Yes. And you don't think that might be a touchy subject?
9: It doesn't make fun of his death. It makes fun of the government.
5: Oh, yes, that's much safer.
9: It's a satire on mass hysteria.
5: That's exactly what we'll get. They'll tear us to pieces. And what will your brother do when he hears about a comedy making fun of his government and his family?
9: It's my family, too. That gives me the right. The play's new. It's exciting. It has something to say.
5: Which is, we want to be executed.
9: Oh, Gaius wouldn't dare.
5: Oh, oh, you'll just get a slap on the wrist, but the rest of us get thrown to the lions.
9: Oh, stop it. You have my patronage and protection. Can't you just trust me for once? It took me a year to convince you that women could play women better than men could.
5: And the jury's still out on that? Quintus. Uh, Look, we slip in the occasional jest, but the further we take it... Oh, what's the use? You could order me to do it if you had to.
9: You know I never would.
5: Look me in the eye and tell me this is going to work.
9: Standing ovations. Ticket sales through the roof. Your autograph on every wax tablet in Rome. The Palatine players telling it like it is. We're going to do what nobody else has ever done before.
5: And find out if there's a damn good reason for it. Fine. Fine. When do we start?
10: Friends, Romans, countrymen. Tell you, always a winner. Yes, yes, all right. As I was saying, why beg from Egypt when we can conquer it instead? Yes. But, upon further reflection, why conquer Egypt when we can simply talk to them? After all, though we could, if we so wanted, crush their forces and bring the kingdom to its knees.
6: <coughs> That's...
10: Would it not be better to uh, give it a miss this time round?
6: Are you feeling all right? Yep. You don't sound it.
10: I'm fine. Let's subjugate Egypt another day. Have something to look forward to, eh?
7: What do we do in the meantime? Yeah! yeah.
10: I'll tell you what we do, gents. I propose a summit with Cleopatra of Egypt... Not to seek aid, but to demand what's owed to us. Yes, yes, yes. We've helped out Egypt often in the past. Well, now they can do something for us. What do you say? Are you with me?
8: Oh, he played that well. Such a way with words.
10: <sighs> right, Bella. That's why I call a mandate. Better get to work. Yep. Lepidus, send a letter. Can do. To Queen Cleopatra, there's something about
7: the special relationship between our nations, etc., etc., and invite her to Rome at her earliest convenience, which will be in a month or so. That should just about give us time to prepare. I thought. If we say so. We need to stall the army in the meantime. So if we can. Oh, oh! Uh, actually, that reminds me. A messenger came in with a note.
8: Who from? Cleopatra.
7: A message from
8: Cleopatra. Yes, you two were having a chin wag, and I didn't want to interrupt. What's it say? Oh, uh, Ah, yes. She says she's on holiday, ah, cruising along the Mediterranean, and she'd like to drop in and see us. I say that's convenient. Hey,
7: oh. when does she arrive?
8: And uh, uh, by the time you receive this, um, uh, in about three days. What? I said about three days. We
7: can't do that. We're not ready. Uh, The planning, the schedules, uh, the food. Mark, what are we going to do? Don't look at me. You wanted her here. Wait, what's... What's that?
8: Sounds like a protest. Yes, I think it's the soldiers. I heard a rumour this might happen. So why didn't you tell me? I thought it might
4: depress you. They surrounded the Senate House.
10: That's it. We're finished. We're all finished. No, we're not. Leave this to me. Mark, what are you doing? Okay, okay, less of that we heard. All right, lads. All right, it's Mark Quiet down. Quiet down. Shh, come on. We have spoken with the Senate. Both myself and the son of the divine Julius. Get out of here. I don't think we we'll want me to... Gaius! <sighs> Afternoon, everyone. As I said, we have spoken with the Senate about the reward for your outstanding victory at Philippi. Money, land, luxuries, all of these will be yours. Yes. You just need to wait. Wait? Afraid so. Turns out Rome's strapped for cash right now. But you promised us. What is this? Mark? and I will keep that promise. Because I'll tell you what I'll do. If you can um, tighten your belts and be patient for a short while more, then me and my friend Caesar here will... Personally, make sure we'll you... personally make sure that you will get double what we promised you, and you get it by the end of the month.
6: What? That's about that then.
10: Oh, I think they like that. Mark, what have you done? Just saved our necks. You're welcome.
7: You promised them double can't even pay them what we already owe!
10: Then make sure this clear patch plan of yours works! And quickly!
7: And if it doesn't?
10: Then we're dead. But don't worry lad. I'm right behind you. Pint!
1: Cry Havoc, Ask Questions Later is a podcast distributed by Rusty Quill and licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution non-commercial share-alike 4.0 international license. The series is created by David K. Barnes and directed by Amani Zardone. This episode was written by David K. Barnes. It was edited by James Austin, Lori Ann Davis, Tessa Vroom, Meg McKella, Catherine Seaton, and Catherine Rinella with scoring by Sam Jones Today's episode features Kazim Tosin Amore Harry Roebuck Sarah Lambie Andrew Seacom Benjamin Garrison and Sarah Aga. with additional voices from Kareem Kronfly Tom Crowley Alistair Christie and Pip Gladwin Cry Havoc, Ask Questions Later is produced by Natalie Winter, Catherine Lindemann, and Production Manager Natasha Johnston with Executive Producers Alexander Jane Newell and April Sumner. To subscribe, view associated materials, or join our Patreon, visit RustyQuill.com. Rate and review us online. Tweet us at the Rusty Quill. visit us on Facebook, or email us at mail at Thanks for listening.
3: in the
9: sky humanity expands and thrives as it pushes back the boundaries of the universe
8: welcome
7: to schneider orbiter i came through a bit of a rough system to get here okay if you can't pay your ship will be impounded until you do my
9: name is may i need a ship shouldn't you be in school kid i thought your ad said no questions we need you to take a shipment into imperial space for us everybody seems to want something
7: Sure, I want something. I want to earn enough credits for an expensive mining. I
9: can't let the weapon leave the station.
7: I want a quiet system with nobody else around where I can work in peace. Then do nothing.
9: Just get me the registration of that ship. I just came to check on my investment. I haven't
6: forgotten. I haven't forgotten.
1: If anything untoward were to happen to any of the
9: shipment, it would be bad news for you. I'm gonna die. No, no, I won't accept that.
7: Hey! Who are these guys?
9: Any system
11: other than this.
9: I've got to get out of here. We'll work something out. From the luxury of the core systems to the harsh worlds of the frontier, men still fight.
7: Orbital traffic control requesting takeoff clearance.
9: They all share one aim.
5: To be elite. Engaging hyperdrive.
7: Escape velocity an official forecast audio drama based on the hit video game Elite Dangerous. Please visit escapevelocity.lavradio.com.
10: To the Agonal
2: Dreams Podcast, Season 1, Episode 11 of Post-Apocalyptic Nightmare. This audio theater features some situations that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Chapter 11, Finding Ishk.
12: Something exciting is happening. I'm designating myself as the honorary wedding planner. You guys know I used to run a love blog, right? How can we forget something we weren't listening to in the first place? Oh, perfect way to begin our new lives here. I don't want anything fancy, guys. As long as Ravi and I say our vows and
0: stuff, it'll be official, right?
2: More or less, I suppose.
0: Adrian, man, I know we haven't always seen eye to eye, but, uh... I don't have many choices for best man.
2: Hey, what about me, man? It's fine. Go ahead and have Devin do it.
0: Why don't you officiate
12: the wedding, Adrian?
2: I have no officiating powers.
12: That doesn't matter. You have your military uniform. That's good enough.
13: I,
2: I wouldn't even know what to say.
13: Like this, man. By the power invested in me, I now pronounce you husband and wife.
2: Something like that. Okay, but what about the rest of the lines?
14: They can say their own vows. Jenny excitedly looked to Ravi and Heather for confirmation. Heather nodded and shrugged her shoulders. Fine with me, I guess.
0: I can't believe I'm getting
11: married! And it's all thanks to Joan! <laughs> Congratulations, guys. Hey, Kat, will you be my maid of honour? Uh, Sure. Uh, what does a maid of honour do? You can't
12: tell me you've never been to, nor seen, a wedding before? I told you guys, I
11: grew up on an island. No
2: island weddings? Bunch of sinners.
11: No, there were no need for weddings. That's not uncommon. Weddings are mostly a Western
10: culture
0: event.
12: So how did you profess love to each other for others to see?
11: <laughs> we didn't. The woman left the island just to get pregnant and would come back and give birth. After that, she never left the island again. What in the world?
2: So let me get this straight. The women from your culture left to hook up with some random guy, and then left
11: him and never saw him again. The men on the island weren't good enough. How did he see his kid? Life isn't as complicated where I come from. The women who left had a mission to become immersed in a new culture, get educated, and pregnant. When she came home, there were no questions asked. She taught the rest of us new words, ideas, languages, and customs. We helped her give birth. She raised her child on the island. If the child was male, he would grow up doing manual labor, and spend his days caring for a woman who had already come back and given birth.
0: So, like a stepfather?
11: Yeah, I guess you would call it that. If the child was female, she would follow in her mother's footsteps and repeat the cycle. Their fathers don't come for them because they don't know about them. When the women find out they're pregnant, they live their life out in the world and return home to the island. They are drawn back to it. Like an instinct. But why? Why? It seems so messy. It's really not. It allows the population to grow steadily and increases the diversity of the tribe. It also allows the gene pool to never become circular. And it allowed us to grow as a culture by learning about others. We may have been secluded, but we knew a lot about the outside world because of how our island grew.
2: That's actually kind of brilliant. Not fair to all the dads who never knew about their kids, but... Still an innovative way of life.
14: But why the seclusion? Kat shifted a bit and tapped her finger lightly to her temple. The group assumed her silence was reflective avoidance or simple ignorance. Either she could not elaborate, or simply did not know the reason. Ray smirked deviously and sidled up next to Kat, ensuring to make a show of giving her a wider-than-necessary girth. How come you haven't gone back home then? What? If your hogshit story is true,
12: why haven't you gone home yet? I've been around enough pregos to know when someone is knocked up, and you, Cat, are pregnant. Cat,
14: is that true? Cat's face flushed, her cheeks burned in embarrassment, shame, and bewilderment. All the little flags she'd been ignoring for the past couple of months started to make sense. The nausea, the vivid dreams, the intense hunger for both food and... Her eyes flicked to Adrian in fear, but he wouldn't meet her gaze. No, uh, of course it's not. She carefully but quickly removed herself from the living room and opened the front door just as another wave of nausea hit the back of her throat.
3: What is this, a brothel?
8: <laughs> Did you guys see her face? Classic. Ray, that is rude. God, I have never been around so many web blankets before in my life.
12: Nobody here can take a joke, ever, I swear.
13: Don't be mad just because you ain't funny.
11: It was a joke, people. I'm gonna go get some air. I'll be back. Does anything here look like something we could use?
14: Heather shrugged and smiled passively.
11: I don't want a big event.
12: Okay, here we go. The most accurate pregnancy test, easy to read with yes or no
14: result results in three minutes or less. Jenny handed Kat a slender rectangular box off the pharmacy shelf nearby. After Ray's attempt to embarrass Kat the night before, Jenny had insisted that first thing in the morning they would go into town and make sure Kat really wasn't pregnant. Heather had wanted to come, as she seemed more or less unfazed by the supposed joke. Kat worried this may weaken her mental state and trigger an unhealthy coping mechanism to deal with her unresolved grief about Christian.
11: I don't need this. I'm not pregnant. Please,
12: it would seriously put my mind at ease. And to be fair, and please don't take offence, Kat, but you have been doing some sort of weird things lately. What weird things? Jenny, she said she doesn't need it. (sighs) Why do I feel like you're hiding stuff from me? I thought we were like best friends. I'm sorry if you think I've lied to you about anything, but I don't think I have. Ask me anything you want. I can't think of anything right now. I'm not prepared. Okay, fine. God, Kat, I'm so annoyed at you.
14: Annoyed or jealous? Don't start. Jenny moved away from the pharmacy section and started walking towards some clearance racks near the store's produce section. I'm
12: grabbing some of these. I can make you a bouquet and some corsages.
14: She held up a string of silk chrysanthemums in Heather's direction, purposely avoiding Kat's gaze. Heather nodded and took the flowers from Jenny.
11: Jenny, just say what you want to say.
14: Jenny continued searching through the racks, noisily pushing random items out of her way with restrained fury. You like pink? We can use this ribbon for your hair or something. Jenny ignored Kat and handed more items to Heather, who was looking more and more melancholy with each passing moment. Still, she diligently held the items that Jenny picked.
11: This outing is supposed to be for Heather's wedding and you're ruining it with your bad attitude. Stop making everything about you and your own selfish emotions.
12: Do you like him, honestly? Who? Stop being stupid, you know who
11: I mean. (sighs) Yes, okay, I do like him. But it doesn't matter, he doesn't feel the same way. And all he does is give me mixed signals. Jenny stopped sorting through the racks and looked up at Kat,
14: her eyes glazed over with tears. She knew Kat had always loved Adrian, and she knew that she had been jealous, not for Adrian's affections, but for the fact that she had the option for a real relationship at all. Her mind dredged up the memory of her boyfriend's engagement ring in his luggage carry-on right before the madness happened. I'm sorry, Kat. It's not your fault. Ray was just doing what she does best.
12: I honestly don't know why she hates you so much. Jenny looked between Kat and Heather. Forgive me, Heather, for my pity party. I promise I won't let my actions ruin your wedding.
14: We're going to help you make it the most beautiful post apocalyptic event ever. The three women embraced, laughed, and resumed their shopping inside the rundown grocery store. As Jenny went down, aisle after aisle, retrieving potential decorations for the wedding, Kat lagged behind briefly. She made sure Jenny and Heather were out of view before opening the box she still held and slid the two applicators in her back pocket. True to her word, Jenny worked tirelessly on Ravi and Heather's wedding. She recruited all members of the household to participate in some way. Due to the continuous rain, she decided to move the wedding to the barn, out at the property's back. Ray had been resistant to allow this, since she had been using the barn as her own place. But Jenny assured her that none of her belongings would be disturbed. It will be quick and nobody will go up in the loft where you sleep, I promise, Ice Queen. Ray bristled, but relented. You just better clean up all the decorations and crap he put up in there. Absolutely. The day before the wedding, Jenny was overwrought with frenzied paranoia. Heather and Ravi were totally unbothered by the upcoming nuptials, despite Jenny being an absolute wreck. Jenny,
0: come and have a seat. You are getting too worked up. It's supposed to be just a simple ceremony. Yeah, relax a little. No, I
12: can't frickin' relax. You realize without a cake, there can't be a wedding?
0: Totally
2: false.
12: Without a cake, the wedding will be
0: ruined. Hmm, when I got married, we didn't have no cake. Me and my husband just went down to the courthouse. Oh, that sounds horrible. Gee, thanks. Jenny,
12: remember what I said about not making a huge deal of this? I just want to make
11: it perfect for you guys. So why can't we make a cake? Don't really
2: have all the necessary ingredients.
11: Okay, so a cake is sweet, right? How about another type of dessert? Like what? I don't know. Any ideas, anyone?
2: Options are severely limited since we have no milk or eggs. What
12: about a box of instant cake?
2: I think it still needs eggs, which we don't have.
14: Hmm. What, Devon, got something
12: to say, old man?
2: Uh, no,
13: I don't.
11: Cat looked at Devon intently fidgeting nervously in his seat. Devon, if you have an idea, just say it. We are all brainstorming here.
13: I, uh, uh, no, never mind.
11: Cat smiled at him encouragingly.
14: He slowly stood up and walked out of the room. Wow. Thanks for your help. A few minutes later, Devon returned. He was wet from the rain outside, and he held a handful of weeds. Here we go. I
12: already made a bouquet and it looks way better than that.
13: Girl, please, this is Japanese knotweed. It's grown all over the yard outside. Most people just ignore
14: it, but it's edible. Jenny rolled her eyes and looked away, but Kat got up and followed Devon to the kitchen. Ravi and Adrian did as well. So what are you going to do with this? Devon washed the greens in some clean water, then laid them out on the countertop.
13: I'm going to make a dessert.
2: From what?
14: Devon smiled and began removing the leaves, leaving only a pile of tender young shoots. Opening one of the kitchen cupboards, he rummaged around until he located a large tin labelled white sugar. Pushing half the pile towards Kat, he nodded and handed her a knife. She mimicked his actions and chopped the shoots into about one-inch pieces. Ravi reached for the sugar, eager to help. How much of this?
13: Let's do about two
14: cups. Ravi nodded and scooped two cups of the sugar into a bowl, while Devon added a cup of water in with the sugar. He motioned for Kat to add the chopped up weeds to the mix.
2: Well, that looks gross.
14: That's because it ain't done now, fool. He once again began opening drawers in the kitchen until he located a whisk. After several minutes of stirring, the mix still looked like vomit. Um, is that it? I'll
13: tell you when it's done, man.
14: Ravi and Adrian watched Devon stir the mixture for about five minutes before getting bored and deserting him and Cat. She watched his continuous smooth stirring and smiled up at him.
11: Want me to have a turn? Your hand must be getting tired. Devon
14: shook his head and kept stirring. I haven't been able to cook anything for so long.
13: It feels so nice just to be back at it again.
14: Cat realised she didn't know very much about Devon at all. Did you cook a lot in the past? Devon shrugged and turned his head, so his
11: long dirty locks lightly thumped against his back. He must have done some, to be able to recognize a weed and cook with it.
4: Japanese
13: knotweed is what it's called.
11: Yes, you
14: said that. Cat looked into the bowl and smiled as she saw the contents had been blended into a fluffy brown puree by this point.
11: Wow, how'd you get it like that?
14: Devon stopped stirring and rubbed his tired wrist. It's much easier with a blender,
13: but with patience, You can do it just as good with these.
14: He wiggled his hands at her,
11: lightheartedly.
13: Here, try some. It's not a cake, but it's sweet and delicate.
11: This is really good. It kind of tastes like rain.
13: You'd be surprised at how often things that are overlooked can have so much potential.
11: I think it'll be perfect for tomorrow. Devon smiled sadly and nodded. What kind of other stuff can you make?
13: I can make a mean dandelion tea.
11: Were you a chef back in the time before?
13: Nah, I just learned how to use the stuff that nobody else wanted.
11: What was your job? Um, <clears throat>
13: uh a little of this, a little of that. My true passion was music.
11: Did you have a family?
13: Been on my own for a long time now. Nobody but me, myself, and I. I was always on the move. Never in one place for very long.
11: Sounds exciting.
13: Exhausting is more like it. You see, Kat. Everybody wants to be a free spirit. <laughs> that is until the streetlights come on. The problem is, where do you go when you have nothing? Nobody.
14: Kat ate another spoonful of the puree and smiled up at Devon.
11: You know, I've never tried dandelion tea before.
6: song, United States Air Force. Mayday. 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 I'm in serious trouble. Mayday. Mayday. Mayday.
15: November 9815 Lima, Fort Santina. Go ahead. I'm
6: trying to find my fiance, but my equipment is malfunctioning and my GPS cannot pinpoint my location. I'm going to crash.
15: 9815 Lima, say last known position.
6: Pacific ring of international Washington. I do not have the coordinates.
15: 9815 Lima, say altitude.
6: I can see one small island. I am unable to tell if it's inhabited.
15: 9815 Lima, say altitude.
6: I'm rolling. I can't stop. Ready. it!
15: Calling Fort Santina. Release the stick. Go forward on the stick, then slowly back again.
6: (laughs) I'm straight and level, but I still don't know where I am.
15: 9815 Lima, remain VFR if you can remain straight and level. Squawk, 77,000 if you have a transponder.
6: has an engine fire. I have no choice but to do an emergency landing on the side.
15: 9815 Lima, you're descending right now?
6: Yes, yes. We're a single engine plane descending. Have a fire number... 9815
15: Lima, if you're trying to get me, all I hear is static. 9815 Lima, please respond.
6: Mayday! 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 Emergency landing on an unknown island Fire! Fire and engine one descending now!
15: 9815 Lima, I need fuel remaining and souls on board.
6: Five hours of fuel! Mayday! Mayday! Mayday!
14: She bolted upright from her sleeping position on the downstairs couch. The house was dark, and all she could hear was the continuous rain pounding the roof. She broke out into a cold sweat as she realised it was only another dream, or in this instance, a nightmare. She pulled a blanket up around her shoulders and wiped a stray tear running down her cheek. She now knew the truth her father was dead. She still didn't understand why her mother had gone to the island if she wasn't from there. But her father had spent his last days on earth looking for her mother. The realisation pained her, and her chest ached in remorse and disappointment.
2: Oh, sorry. Did I wake you up?
14: No. Kat squinted her eyes and saw the outline of his body hunched over a chair in the dark, near the back pantry of the kitchen. He belched again, this time longer and louder, and Cat could tell he was drunk. Uh, Stop that and come sit with me. Still clutching a large glass jar, he stumbled in the dark and clumsily plopped down next to her on the couch.
2: Here I am.
14: Cat knew he would be resistant to his usual cold ways in his inebriated state, so she took the opportunity and rested her head against his shoulder. Why
2: are you sleeping down here alone?
11: I don't want to wake everyone else up. You know I don't sleep soundly most nights.
2: Guess I forgot.
11: He took
14: another swig from the jar and placed it down on the sofa table in front of them.
2: Ah. So what was your dream about?
11: My father's dead.
2: Mine. Mine too. Mom. Dad. Julia. All. D E A. D. Dead.
11: I don't like it when you drink so much. Although I guess I understand.
14: Adrian scooted over, away from Kat, with irritation.
2: You don't understand
14: anything.
11: It's not a competition about who has the shittier situation, Adrian. We all lose. You just choose to shut everyone out of your life.
2: Hey, do you remember when Ray said you were pregnant?
11: Oh, yeah? Yeah. I was there and it was like two days ago.
2: I thought maybe.
11: Thought what? That it was true?
2: Well, I don't know. I was surprised that if it was true, you would tell other people before me.
14: A smile briefly flickered across Kat's face, but she said nothing.
11: Jenny, you've really outdone yourself. It's beautiful in here.
12: Not too bad if I say so
14: myself. During the night, Jenny had transformed the old barn into a secluded slice of grandiose enchantment. Her innovative decorating had utilized floral bed sheets from the farmhouse as a makeshift backdrop behind the head table. Ransacking a fabric store in town had provided her yards and yards of tool which allowed her to create a makeshift tent ceiling to mask the dilapidated cow barn's run-down architecture. There were no lights inside, save for the soft burning glow of a candelabra relocated from a nearby church. Adrian took his place as the officiant at the front of the wedding, directly under the cascading waves of ivory tulle. He wore his military uniform, washed and pressed with hot rocks the day before. Ravi entered next, and took his place near Adrian. He smiled nervously as he visibly wrung his hands together and met Adrian's knowing gaze. There were no children to take part, but Anne gladly played the role of flower girl and walked down the aisle, leaving handfuls of dandelion heads and rosebuds in her wake. Cat followed Anne and took her place as maid of honour opposite Ravi. A hush fell over everyone as Heather slowly made her way towards the front. tried to imitate the wedding march with various buckets and bells that had been rusted by time and neglect but the rustic sounds combined with the amber light and Heather's angelic form slowly walking the makeshift aisle brought tears to the eyes of almost everyone in attendance Joan and Jenny had sewn Heather's dress plied her hair on top of her head and interwove a long pink chiffon ribbon throughout her long tresses She had come full circle since the day she showed up at the homeless shelter. As an added surprise, Devon emerged from behind Adrian, wearing an ill-fitting but decidedly clean suit. His locks were long but clean, having washed them in apple cider vinegar the night before. He smiled brightly as he slowly escorted Heather down the aisle.
2: Everyone, please take your seats. Uh, I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to say. Google is no longer a thing anymore. Uh, But seriously, though, Ravi and Heather, both of you were serious liabilities when we met you. I had my reservations, but you know, you guys were strong, and you pushed through. Now here we are. I'm not sure how many people are left on this earth now, but uh, you guys have found your person, and I'm really happy for you too. i I'll always have your backs.
0: Thanks, Adrian.
2: I guess now you guys can say any vows you have prepared.
11: I don't need a ring
12: or a big fancy wedding to know that I love you, Ravi. You've been my support since I joined this group. You helped me manage the pain of losing my son. You've made sure I've taken care of myself and helped me to see that I am more than what other people think of me. I promise that I will be your eyes if you will be
0: my soul. Same for me. Times two. You mean everything to me.
2: All done?
12: Yeah. Yep. Guess so.
2: I now pronounce you by the state of... Wait, where the hell are we?
9: Nebraska, dimwit.
2: Right, Nebraska. You are now man and wife. You guys can kiss, so on and so forth.
11: You were screaming again. What's wrong? Oh my god, Jenny, it was so awful. I'm so happy you're alright. Well, I was
12: trying to sleep, but other than that, I'm fine. I'm really sorry.
14: Kat's throat was scratchy from her screaming. She had tried sleeping upstairs in one of the bedrooms. Still, her nightly vocal soaring left the rest of the household awake and miserable. Jenny gave Kat a comforting hug but Kat could see the plum-coloured ring circling Jenny's eyes. She knew the offer to share the room with her had been with the intention for Kat to kindly turn it down so the rest of the group could sleep upstairs in peace. Before she could say anything else, Adrian appeared in the doorway.
2: Come downstairs with me. Let me make you some tea. Okay. Okay. Would you consider taking something before bed at night?
11: Take what? I'm
2: talking about a sleep aid. Just something mild to help you rest easier. Your behavior is very concerning to me, and everyone else. Ever since Heather has been taking the Haloperidol, she seemed to have mellowed out. Not completely, but she's much better than when we first met her.
11: (laughs) She hasn't been taking her meds, Adrian. Don't be silly.
2: Robbie makes sure she takes them every day.
11: How do you think we killed Father Webber? Longer than anticipated, but we used a combination of all of Heather's medication and some others that we found.
14: They both turned to look at the tin kettle whistling atop the pot-bellied stove. Adrian silently poured both of them a cup.
2: I'm going to pretend I didn't hear you say that. Where's Ray? She's sleeping out on the barn.
11: The fact of the matter is, I don't want to take drugs. I'm fine.
2: You're obviously not fine. Can you even differentiate between your dreams and reality?
11: I'll get it together. I promise.
2: I hope so, for everybody's sake.
14: They sat together in the dark and drank
11: their tea thoughtfully. What
2: are your dreams about anyway? Are they different, or is the same one every time?
11: This is going to sound ridiculous, but it's like a story unfolding. About what? About my life.
2: That doesn't seem so scary. If you were dreaming about your own life, why all the screaming?
11: I feel something else. I don't know what it is, but it's close. Something is watching me. It wants me dead. I'm afraid of the end of my story.
2: Kat. I can't blame you for having bad dreams. In fact, that's probably one of the more normal things going on. What's happened to us is scary. We're dealing with it differently. Uh, I just... I want to make sure you're okay.
14: Kat nodded and finished the rest of her tea.
11: Don't worry, Adrian. It's almost over now.
0: Would you sit down already? You're making me nervous with all this pacing you're doing. And look what you're doing to the rug. Something ain't right. That's for sure. Something bad is gonna happen. I just know it. Well, can you take your negative premonition over on the other side of the room? I'm trying to read. I just have a bad feeling. It's probably those canned oysters you ate. No, it's something else. Most people feel happy after a wedding. It's that girl.
3: The one that showed up at the commune right when all these folks came in. Who? You know, the one who doesn't speak. They call her Anne. You're just paranoid. Am I, Audrey? Come on, wake up. I've seen her lurking around at night. (laughs)
0: Lurking? Come on now, girl. Nobody is lurking here at night. We sleep. At least we try to. You can't tell me she doesn't read you out. That dark hair, those shifty eyes. I say she needs to go. Joan, she is a child. Now go on and leave me alone so I could finish reading. No more talk about that girl. She hasn't done a thing to anyone. What are you reading? That is so important. Just this AMA I found upstairs. What's an AMA? It means ask me anything. Ask you what? Anything. I don't want to. No, the article I'm reading is an AMA. I don't follow. No, Joan, listen. An AMA is a type of informal interview in which an interviewee is open to questions from the public. What? (sighs) Okay. see here. This AMA is for a voice actor. The voice actor was asked a list of questions by inquiring minds, and they answered them. Let me see that. No, get your own. Where am I supposed to get an AMA? Well, first off, I'm not telling you anything until you do the outro for this episode. What are you talking about? We got a bunch of people out there listening to our little story, and now we are at the end of episode 11. Only one more to go. (laughs) That's ridiculous. Just read
3: this. Starring Journey Brown-Saintel, Andrew Quintero, Emily Husband, Chi Dumechka Brown, Esther Payne, Allegra Rodriguez-Shivers, Gina Pietro Monaco, and Sandy Jack. Who are these people?
0: This episode also featured the voice talents of Greg Thomas, Julian Kingston, Nicholas Watson, Michelle Kane, and me, Shea Melendez. Now read this one. <sighs> Story
3: written by Courtney Holloway. Sound design by Christopher Jarvis at the Radio Theater Workshop. Original music composed by Peter Clef, Bradley Parsons, and Constantine Niestro. Original artwork created by McNeil.
0: If you would like to support us on Patreon, check out our page at patreon.com slash Or if you can't support us financially, you can still rate, review, and subscribe to wherever you listen to podcasts.
3: Okay, now let me have a chance to read that.
0: I'm bored. Uh Uh-uh. This one is mine. But you can get yours along with other perks if you subscribe to Patreon. Voice actor AMA is coming soon, along with bonus episodes after Season 1 ends while we await Season 2. But I want one now! Patience is a virtue, my friend. Come back next month for the season finale of Agonal Dreams podcast post-apocalyptic nightmare.
5: And that's this week's show. Please check for show notes and links for the mockumentary
4: Cry Havoc and Agonal Dreams at sonicsociety.org. Until next week, when David and I nab a taxi through our next feature. Ooh, I'm David Alt, And I'm Jack Ward. Have a blissful week, everyone. Absolutely.
6: Are you in the mood for a good laugh? (laughs) Or maybe a good scream? How about some childlike wonder? Or a thought-provoking mystery? Then get your ears ready for a treat, because the Mutual Audio Drama Network presents shows every day for your enjoyment. Each day is a different genre, featuring the talents of a huge pool of audio drama masters. (laughs) Oh, and some clever comedy creators as well. <laughs> Subscribe to the mutual feed and get them all, or choose the genres you really love. Ooh. You'll find the Mutual Audio Network at all your favorite places like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Earbuddies, Buddies, podcast Drama, Casting Call, Codcast, and wherever quality shows are found. Okay, I made a few of those up. Or simply go online to MutualAudioNetwork.com. And of course, it's all free. free. The free. Mutual Audio Drama Network. Listen and imagine together. Maintaining social distancing, of course.